Estate planning made easy. This is The Strong Room on 770 CHQR, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. We're back with you on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR. We've been visiting with Calgary businesswoman Connie Rubin about the journey she took with her mother-in-law, Grace, through the various stages of Alzheimer's disease. Connie decided to share her experience in a book appropriately called The Stages of Grace. Her hope in writing it was that others who are going through the same kind of journey would find comfort and strength in the Rubin's experience. As the process came to a conclusion... How do you look back on the journey? Um, and, and was that part of the impetus for, for writing the book? Was it a kind of therapy or did you say there's a message out of the experience that we have had as a family that I wanted to share for somebody else who might be on the same trip? Writing the book was never a planned event, um, As a matter of fact, the absolute decision to write the book was made out of pure frustration. I had, Grace was still heading south in the winter, and when she was down south, I worked full-time, and so I would arrange my schedule to spend one week a month down down there, give the caregivers some time off, and, and be with her. And we had just gone through a challenge with some caregivers and I needed to make some changes. And the timing was really bad for me. And, but you do what you have to do. So I got on a plane, I flew down there, dealt with the situation, um, made sure she was fine, and left the house to go to the airport four hours early on purpose so that I could have a few hours of nothing. I just needed a break. I was on emotional overload. And I went to the wine bar at the Palm Springs Airport and sat down and ordered a glass of wine. And before I could take a sip of the wine, a lady came out of the washroom nearby and she was crying. And of course I said, what what can I do to help you? And she told me that her father had just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she didn't know what she was going to do. And she was on her way to go see him. And so I spent the next almost three hours chatting with her, just talking about my experience. There's no expertise in Alzheimer's. You go through what you go through, in my opinion. And, but I remember it was right then when we were done time to go get on the plane. And I just said out loud to myself, I am going to write a book. Then the next time I can just give someone the copy and I can go back to my wine. So it was a very, not, it was a very selfish um, statement. And then once I made the statement, I realized it's exactly what I needed to do. And I started writing the book. How did that lady walk away from the conversation with you? Was she uh, still in tears or did she have some sense of what the road was going to be like and maybe two or three things that she could focus on as she took that trip? I, 
I certainly believe so. I believe that um, what I try to do when I talk to people about Alzheimer's is to help them get out of the fear. Alzheimer's has such a, you know that that loved one is going to leave you. You know that they're going to leave you before they, they actually pass away. And, and so I really try to, to say, yes, it's, it's scary. Yes, it's awful. But it, it can also be wonderful. And, and you get to know a new person and let that person be who they need to be. And if you can do that, you're both happier. And you know, I'm so grateful for my time with Grace. And I'm so grateful for the person that she became. And so my advice to, to, that, to that lady um, and is just, yes, there's challenges, but don't be so afraid of them. And there's still a lot of life. Calgary businesswoman and author Connie Rubin. Let's get a legal opinion on caregiving now from Henry Villanueva, legal counsel at McMillan Estate Planning. We have three personal planning documents. The will that kicks in upon us passing. We have the power of attorney and the personal directive and these kick in upon us losing mental capacity. And as a matter of fact, based on the studies that I've read and cases uh, of Adults aged 85 years old and above, 20% will actually activate those powers of attorneys and personal directives. And as a matter of fact, with these personal directives and powers of attorneys being activated, there is a need as well for care. And in this particular case, care doesn't only come from the agent appointed in the personal directive or the attorney appointed in the power of attorney. This also comes by ways of family members, relatives, friends, and also hired help. And what we want to make sure in these instances is that this help and care is that which we expect it to be. We know that caregivers have access to money of the person they're caring for, especially if that person has lost capacity. You want to make sure that the bigger things are not overlooked. As long as the caregiver is taking care of our client and making sure that she is safe and she has a happy disposition each day, we don't mind the ice cream. And as a matter of fact, you know, we would appreciate that the caregiver be happy as well. Because if you have a happy caregiver, then you minimize the risk of elder abuse. What else can we talk about with respect to making sure that the caregiver provides that kind of personal care, but doesn't take advantage of the situation. You always have to acknowledge that first and foremost, this is a job for the caregiver and he or she must act professionally in that particular capacity. You must look at this independent first before any other way. And how do you make sure that you minimize this seemingly awkward situation of elder abuse? You have to make sure that the family members, the kids and relatives monitor the caregiver and there is also a check and balance with what he or she is doing. Never allow your caregiver to um, act for the elder by himself or herself. Always make sure that there's checks and balance. Always make sure that he or she is reporting in a certain manner whatsoever because the absence of uh, reporting or the absence of accountability breeds their intention to have an opportunity to, uh, to be abusive. So what do you do in that particular case? You make sure 
that they're providing reports, you make sure that you do physical actual inspections and surprise inspections as well. While the caregiver is taking care of the elder person, go to the facility. Visit and see what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Check in with their neighbors and other caregivers. Ask for their opinion. Basically, act as a private investigator, but assume that nothing is wrong and just be prudent and diligent. Investigate. Ask the facility. Ask friends. But the best way to make sure that uh, elder abuse is prevented is take some time to spend with the elder person who's being cared of him or herself. Inspect him and make sure that he is um, happy and see how his reaction is when he is with the caregiver as well because that will tell us a story as well. So if there is... If there is fear involved, then that's a uh, that's a red flag. If there is uh, disinterest involved, that's probably a red flag. Um, I think your point about checks and balances and and uh, trust but verify is pretty interesting. Definitely. Also, it's very um, interesting as well to take into consideration the doctor's perspective. The doctor we assume has an unbiased interest in what is best for the elder. And the doctor most often than not also asks the caregiver and the family members their opinion of um, their patient. And in this particular case, you will also be able to get an evaluation from the doctor regarding any wink-wink bruises or scratches that that old elder person may have. Do you find in your experience that the caregiver is often the person who holds the power of attorney? It depends on the situation, Peter. Most often than not, the power of attorney is the children of um, the parent or of the elder. And what the children do is they appoint or hire a full-time or part-time caregiver to act as a nurse because they can't um, do it themselves due to restrictions of time and because they have to live their lives as well. But in certain instances where the children are of a certain age where they themselves are retired and able to take care of their parents, they always do that. And of course, sometimes uh, children don't live in the same locale as the parent who's being cared for. And so you're having to monitor remotely, as it were, from a distance, uh, which isn't always the best scenario. That is correct, Peter. That is very challenging if uh, the power of attorney is uh, far away from the caregiver because uh, there needs to be further measures to monitor. However, there are also instances from our experience at Macmillan Estate Planning where the children bring in the elder parents to live with them in their house. And they get free daycare because the grandparents love to take care of their grandkids. And at the same time, uh, the children are able to watch and make sure that mom and dad's health are uh, in good order. That's Macmillan Estate Planning's legal counsel, Henry Villanueva. Check out MacmillanEstate.com to learn more, attend an upcoming seminar, or contact the office weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.